0: phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Music Speaks. That's betterhelp.com slash music speaks for 10% off your first month. And thank you again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. If you're anything like me, free time is limited. So things like yard work are just not doable. And if you're also like me, you don't even own a lawnmower. That is why All Above Landscaping is the right choice. All Above includes a variety of options when it comes to your landscaping needs, including lawn installation, design, irrigation, debris removal, maintenance, and much more. If you're in the city of Sumter and you're looking for reliable service at a friendly price, give All Above Landscaping a call today. It's 803-464-7414. Mention that you heard this ad on this podcast and you'll get a special discount on your first service. Again, that's 803-464-7414. Call All Above Landscaping today.
1: Hey guys, we wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about our recent partnership with the amazing Bones Coffee Company.
0: Let's face it, you're probably sick and tired of drinking that old plain Jane coffee brand every morning. Well, fret not, dear listener. Bones Coffee is here to kick your taste buds into high gear.
1: Bowen's Coffee has a wide variety of flavors to choose from, including maple bacon, peaches and spring, island grog, and my personal favorite, chocolate raspberry.
0: Once you become hooked on the coffee, you'll be excited to learn that they have plenty of merch options to choose from as well. T-shirts, mugs, tote bags, the list goes on.
1: You can buy their coffee in whole bean, ground, and even evil single serve options.
0: Guys, we wouldn't lie to you. This coffee is great, and we know that you're going to love it too, which is why we have partnered up with Bones Coffee, and now our listeners have an exclusive discount code.
1: Make sure to use the code MUSICSPEAKS at checkout for 10% off your order.
0: That's right, James. Go to BonesCoffee.com to kickstart your new coffee addiction and use the code MUSICSPEAKS for 10% off today.
1: Like many of you, we've we a depression during life's ups and downs.
0: Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face.
1: Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music,
0: interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome to back to When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with your handicapped Toast, James Andrew Cox. And I don't know why I just said my whole name, but that's okay. Um, this is the podcast where we fight depression with the power of music. And we have a great, great guest for you all today. And I'm gonna let Miss Amanda, our new co-host, inter- introduce him so we can get things yeah. going here.
2: I'm so excited. I'm Amanda Dolan, I'm new here. I don't know a whole lot about music. I just know a lot of lyrics that I sing very loudly and proudly and poorly. Um, today, we are joined by Seth Racken, um, who is the bassist for A Doll's House. And what's cool is new music can come oh, from anywhere even. You can't hear me?
1: It just cut off. Can you hear Seth?
2: Can you hear me, Seth?
3: I can hear you both.
2: Is it in your mixing board?
1: Oh, probably, probably. OK, I'll get you. Um... Hang can on you to- hear me
2: now yeah you hear me now okay we're good
1: Yep. We're okay good. so
2: where do you want me to start over because um, i know you just, can cut
1: yeah just start by just just, start with me by saying the name. yeah
2: okay right so i'm so excited today we are joined by seth rafkin who is the bassist for a doll's house um they are a really incredible band because who knew that music can come from anywhere even for middle middle-aged guys who did get their start over 30 years ago um it's a band that's old but new. In the late 80s, Dave and Seth, two friends in L.A., started writing songs together. They found Tony the drummer and A Doll's House was born. For a few years, the band played all the L.A. clubs, the Whiskey, the Roxy, the Troubadour, and all of the other awesome places. Built a following and they did well, but not well enough. Life took over and the party ended Um, when they were just 20 years old or 22 years old. Then 30 years later, Y'all found each other again in your 50s, careers, lawyers, TV producers, veterinarians, married, kids, mortgages, all of that, but went back to the original dream of being musicians. And your new album is coming out here soon. And the new single um, just came out last month, right? Right. That's right. It's Hey, Wait. Hey, Wait. Hey, Wait. Hey, Wait. Just- fantastic i have to tell
1: you something um seth you do not look like any but anything over like 43 dude you are looking <laughs> great
3: i'll take it's all yeah. the
1: plastic surgeries uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah hey whatever works
1: right exactly yeah um, and, and sitting um, for for campus. Um,
2: yes that too <laughs> um thank you so much seth for being here with sure, us so excited coming. appreciate it and you are in Jersey, and between the veterinarian, the TV producer, and the lawyer, which one are you?
1: I'm the lawyer. a lawyer. Lawyer. So, so we have any music? Law- like okay. So what? What? What type of lawyer of of a lawyer do you your practice right now?
3: So now, so I've been a lawyer for 25 years, and basically I'm an employment lawyer. And so for the, I've done some other things, but but for the past. Uh, eight years or so, I pretty much represented um, uh, people in in disputes against companies. So I'm usually on the side of the individual.
1: Okay.
2: Awesome. Nice. So I have this question of, I think like is growing up, anybody that is an artist has always told to like have a backup plan. Yeah. So was, was being a lawyer your backup plan all along um, and then now you're back to your original plan or...
3: It, it was not no. I mean, that is good advice, and it's advice I didn't take. I had no backup plan, and uh, I had actually dropped out of college to to do the band full time in L.A. Um, but I do think we were, for as young as we were, we were also um, pretty smart. And for you know, growing up in L.A. and being really immersed in the music scene in L.A., um, there's you know, plenty of things to inspire you, and there's plenty of things to depress you, and so <laughs> there's you know, I think we had good enough head on our shoulders to understand like, look, if it doesn't happen by a certain point, um, yeah, we probably need to, to move on and, and figure out, um, you know, a way to make a living support family and that kind of stuff. You know, in hindsight, I can look back now and, you know, 30 years later and say, well, maybe we could have given it a few more years. We were only 22 or so, but you know, yeah. when you're 22, 30 sounds ancient, right?
1: So. <laughs> uh,
2: I think and when you're 22 aren't your parents there like okay like it's time, it's time to, to like time to, yeah. be the adult.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And um but we have we have no regrets. I mean it's it's been um we had a great time then. Um we all have careers that you know we're we're proud of and um and now we're at a point where you know um just decided, you know. Um, we're at a point in our lives where we can do this and let's actually It just started out with the idea of let's just make an album that we'd be proud to listen to. You know, we've got these songs. Let's just let's just do it for ourselves. And um, and little by little, it sort of has just kind of grown and grown. And um, we just decided, you know, it's a good album, we think. And so we've put out the first single. The second single will be out a little later this year and then and then the album. So it's been it's been a really interesting uh process and really, really gratifying for everyone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cause um, uh, me and Amanda were talking about this constantly, like for like at least forty-five minutes together. Yeah. Right?
2: Forty. Yes.
1: Or something. We can. We can think. Um, but we were trying to figure out who inspired you through the song, and we came with um, like E6. And. Uh, and i click the soul and amanda said the bird
2: pipe chris so, cornell
1: right but <laughs> so we were like confused because we've heard we've heard some of the song in in certain songs but yeah, were we on a like a totally different like plane or
2: so who were your inspirations with,
3: with, with respect to hey wait
2: or yeah. any of your yeah, yeah. Or hey wait yeah, but yeah. any music
3: definitely yeah i mean um i think um Certainly, Chris Cornell, we're all big fans of uh, um, Eve Six, I think, you know, I, I can see where uh, where that fits in. And, mm-hmm. and you know, like a lot of bands, I mean, what what I really like about being part of a band as opposed to sort of, a, you know, trying to do things on my own, you know, as sort mm-hmm. of a, a songwriter kind of thing is it is great the benefits you get of everybody's influences and so we've got you know there's a lot of common ground in the band in terms of you know inspirations and influences but there's pieces too I mean there's stuff that I like that you know probably nobody else in the band likes there's and each of us has those kinds of things but you bring them together and hopefully that's what creates a sound that is is different and unique and and, you know people enjoy hearing it and I think you know, there's a lot of bands. I think you can look at, you know, you listen to or read interviews and, and you'll hear that a lot, that it is that, that great thing of just coming together from different aspects and combining ideas that, that on your own, you would never think of.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause, uh, okay. So, so yeah. Cause when I heard, um, here's for the night by e six and Amanda heard, um, lightning crashes from live, we kind of got that kind of vibe, you know, cause I mean, there, there, there's been talks about like people stealing other people's stuff, but I think that y'all are like, um, it's not very noticeable for me hearing music all my life and daily and constantly. I, uh, I, I hear stuff like that all the time, you know. So yeah, sure. okay. Yeah. So
2: yeah. Me and me and me and Amanda got it right. I mean, like like some of the right influences there yeah. with what yeah. you all. And I think. Um.
3: I think, I mean, I listen to music the same way and I think, you know, it's always that fine line and I don't think anybody's got, you know, a magic formula for how you stay on the right side of that line. There's a very fine line between sounding like you are either just one, plainly ripping off somebody's song. I hope God we never sound like that. But an even finer line of where people can sit back and go, that's interesting. I can hear these influences coming together in an interesting way. Versus sometimes you hear music and you think that just sounds like a band trying to sound like this other band. And that's usually what falls flat for me. So again, I hope I hope, uh, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder, but I hope we're on the right side of it.
2: Yeah, I know for for me, like because like I said, we went back and forth. I was like, wait, maybe it's this band. It's like, no, that's not it. It's but it's maybe it's this. And I couldn't. I was like, there's 12 bands, but I can't pick the one that it feel or the song which I guess is exactly what you're going for, which is your own sound, but influenced by a whole lot of other amazing artists.
3: Yeah. And it is interesting because we've heard, we've heard people say so many different things from, I I was, we were doing a a radio interview the other week and, and the guy was saying that he thought, and he said, as soon as he heard it, he thought of Duran Duran, which nobody had said before. Right. Yeah. Um, And, um, Somebody else thought they heard, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of influence of like Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, which I would never think of. But on reflection, I I kind of understand it because our our singer Dave Santos, he's he's just amazing with what he does with harmonies in the songs. And so I think if you're attuned to that and you hear a lot of that kind of harmonic structure, you know, I get it. But again, it's it's just neat to see. It's like holding up a mirror and you know to different people and and you know kind of seeing what they see.
2: Yeah let me see if i can i asked my daughter this morning in the car she's 16 by the way i'm like who does this oh, band cool. remind you of and she was like i don't know and then she said two bands that i had not heard of because she's 16 and i'm not right. but she said the neighborhood and cigarettes after sex were the two bands Ooh. that she thought of I when she heard, heard your song yeah.
0: so
3: that's interesting so- i know i do i have heard music from the first i have not i've heard of the second but I haven't heard music from them but i think. That's interesting because I think we may be on some playlist with either one or both of. of okay, those
1: that's yeah.
2: interesting. I just thought it was interesting that my sixteen-year-old, when I said, "Who does this remind you of?" she had someone almost immediately that she yeah. thought, "Oh, they reminds me of this." Very so, interesting. I, you know, because you are not sixteen. I mean, I'm not either. Right. And <laughs> I don't know that that your music is it's for everyone, but right. I think that it's, um what's the word I'm looking for here, geared towards an older, more mature audience than a 16 year old,
3: right? And, and I think that's true. But I, I am delighted that your 16 year old didn't say sounds like old people music. So.
2: <laughs> no, just, she didn't. Like great. she was <laughs> like, it sounds like a lot of indie bands. And then she named yeah. two particular ones. Um, and I think I was telling James that when I listened to your song the first time, I immediately thought this is what like alternative grunge sounds like as an adult like if if it grew up right and like matured and settled into its life this is that's what i feel like it sounds like
3: that's very interesting because i mean we were you know as a young band in la this was the late 80s and early 90s and we were really kind of living and and you know working as a band through really the the change in you know where grunge really took over from being um you know sort of something you started to hear about to just being everywhere and we were definitely influenced by a lot of what was going on then, particularly bands like The Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction, who are, you know, obviously big bands from LA. So they were um you know in our minds a lot. But I, I think the way you put it, I love the way you put that. That I think that I mean that really does describe us as we've got, you know, we're obviously more um, I shudder to use the word mature, but we are a little more mature than
1: we were. Then. Just a think, yeah.
3: Yeah. And <laughs> and I think the music has grown up a bit. I mean, I think we're better, we are better songwriters now, but I hope and, and some of the tracks on the album, hey, hey Wait is not one of them, but there are two of the songs on our album that are songs that we rewrote and played back then and have, you know, in our view, kind of stood the test of time and we we've tinkered with them a little bit, but but yeah, to your point, I mean, it is. Hopefully, it, you know, we think it really does have that kind of coherent sound, uh, and like you said, just sounding like we're a little more grown up.
2: So, how is writing different now, like music now? How is it different writing now versus 30 years ago when you were 20?
3: So, I think you know two things. One is just sort of the the um, the individual process and sort of the creative process, and the other is is the technology part. On the on the first part. You know we're just much better at it because we've had 30 more years to learn how to do it i mean when we were in our you know late teens and early 20s it's great because you're just figuring out how to do it we're not we're not trained musicians uh you know we don't read music okay. and like that so it was really dave and i um dave patrunik the, the guitar player and i just figuring out how to do this stuff and um but with the benefit of time we've all become i think better players um and just learn learn much more about the songwriting process and then technologically um what's been amazing to us is you know being a band from the days when there was no internet there were no cell phones the most sophisticated thing we had was a tascam four track which was like a big deal to have you know to have your hands on (laughs) now you know the band two of us in la i'm in jersey one of us is in Sacramento and technology allows us to write songs across the country um, and actually to do some of the recording and mixing in different places. And so that's just been a huge game changer for us, just in terms of literally the writing process, just being able to trade ideas. You know, we're not uh, 18 year olds where I can go over to Dave's house and hang out. Right. And uh, and see what happens. We can do that uh, across the country through you know, we started literally with GarageBand when um, my, I had to have my older son show me how to use it. Um And then we sort of graduated to, to things like, you know, Pro Tools and Logic. Uh Well, I should say the rest of the band has graduated to that. I still don't know really how to work that, but, but GarageBand pretty proficient. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. But it's something I imagine you could even send like a voice note through your like over text message or whatever and be like, hey, I've got this. And then they can reply and you can go back and forth. Yeah, it's something as simple as that,
3: right? And and Dave and I, I mean, a lot of the way our songs start is I have a uh, an idea, and um, I mean, this is how a lot of our songs start. I have an idea, maybe just on on an acoustic guitar and a basic melody for the singing, and maybe a basic lyric, and I'll just send it to Dave, and I'll wait, and sometimes I wait a long time, sometimes I don't wait that long, but eventually he he comes back and he's put his spin on it, and he's able to just send it back to me and say. One of his favorite things he likes to tell me is, oh, I, I love the song, but the guitar is all wrong. And then he, you know, he does the guitar, as the
2: guitar player. <laughs> right. As but guitar he's guitar.
3: right. He's right. And uh, and and he'll just put a spin on it. And then that, you know, you go through this iterative process where, you know, one thing is inspiring the next. And it's the same thing with Tony, our drummer and and Dave Santos, our singer, is, as they get involved in the songs again, they can kind of plug in these ideas. Um, and nothing has to be too rigid because it's really just sort of a demo that's evolving and then you know with our album anum then then we went to the studio and had those ideas and worked with our producer Brian wheat from uh from Tesla and um mm-hmm. you know but we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do but even then it wasn't really done and Brian had his whole take on on arrangements and things like that
2: yeah I'm I'm so jealous that you got to work with him because I just Tesla's, Tesla's, Tesla's like my, the first band that like I remember like being one of the bands that I got to listen to by myself, like I picked. Oh yeah, yeah, it wasn't like my parents music. It was like mine. And that makes me think, like, so Brian Wheat is a bassist. Yeah. Right. As are you. Yeah. And I think James and I also kind of had this conversation. I think that sometimes bassists get overlooked a little bit. Yeah. So working with a producer that is a bassist, do you feel like that got you, you know, appreciated more in the album
3: well definitely in the sense i mean it's definitely something brian and i you know bond over right is um it is you know bass players and 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 the instrument itself um and so that you know certainly as a bass player uh it it certainly gives you a lot of comfort working with a producer who's a bass player just for what you said because there are so many you know songs and bands where, where the bass just becomes kind of this drone in the back I have been though, and I will say I've really been blessed by being in a band where everybody really digs the bass. And right. uh, Dave, our guitar player, is a terrific bassist in his own right. But we're we're all players and 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 Dave, our singer, who really appreciate bass playing. So um, and and you've heard Hey Wait, and there's, you know, there's um a bass line that's doing a little bit more than than you know, some other types of music that I think we're, we're kind of talking about or alluding to. And the rest of the album is like that, where they really are. You know, I I people tend to describe my bass playing is very melodic. And um, there there are some bands where they just don't want that. And I get it. Some bands don't. It's not the right fit for that. But I've always been really appreciative of my bandmates that that they understand and really like the bass. And then again, I say working with a bassist. Yeah, I certainly felt great that. All right. It's not going to get buried.
1: So, when you start, okay, so uh, what, what, um, when did you start playing bass? Like th- that, that you knew that was your instrument.
3: So, it, that I remember it very distinctly. So, I had started out as a guitar player, and, you okay. know, my first band when I was 14 was, you know, a, a punk band, and, um, I sort of went through that, and I was still playing guitar, and, um, a friend had left a bass at my house, and, um, I would always liked uh, we were talking about Duran Duran a little bit more
2: mm-hmm. or a little
3: bit earlier, and um, I'd always liked them. And, you know, of course, we were sort of right that same age when when they got huge. And I uh, one weekend, I just uh, they had just released their Notorious album and I just got fixated on the bassline to that song Notorious. And I spent the weekend. I got the album and I spent the weekend just sounding out the basslines to that mm-hmm. album. And then by the end of that weekend, I just announced that I was I was now a bass player mm. and, uh, and haven't looked back. I mean, I still play guitar and, and, yeah. and write on guitar sometimes. But yeah, I just got hooked. And it's funny. It's just just from that album.
1: Yeah, because um, a lot of a, a lot of people, including myself, really wanted to play guitar, because I think that guitar is more profound and bass. you know, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because yeah. the bass is so, so deep in its roots um you look at like Tony Iommi and Iron Man and and Paranoid and you are like I want to play that you know but then there's Lemmy from Motorhead, and like what what's he doing over there you know I, I like him better you know so I guess that's that's uh yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the idea of of where people get their get their um inspiration from is singing and hearing the bands that you that you want to play yourself you know right, right?
2: And-
3: yeah. there's definitely a lot of bass players that you know drew then the short end of the uh, of the stick right yeah. somebody <laughs> had to play bass in the band, so, yeah. you know they they lost the bet and they had to play bass but then you do have I mean that's how Paul McCartney became the, the Beatles bass player right
1: yeah, yeah.
3: probably and- right up to I me mean, my all-time favorite you know sort of musician and bassist you know but but yeah there are a lot of bands where it, it is you know it's either somebody who couldn't play guitar and they're sort of relegated to it but um but it's, and it is less, I understand why more people gravitate toward the guitar because it's in your face more. And there's, like you said, you hear these songs like Iron Man, yeah. Paranoid Examples, right? Crazy Dream, all those songs, well, yeah. you know, they just they sound like they'd be so much fun to play and they are,
1: you yeah. know. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: And I'm curious, I when I think of bass, I think of it as being part of like the rhythm section mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the band. But then also, it's a little more interesting. I mean, drums are really cool. Not gonna lie, yeah. they're pretty awesome. But you're the, like you're the front-facing yeah. version like like, the person of, of the, the rhythm section.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I love being part of the rhythm section, and, and you know, uh, Tony, our drummer, you know, I've been playing with since, uh, like I said, since I was you know 18. And Tony is he is a phenomenal drummer. He's just one of those guys who's just Gifted, and he's an all around great musician, but um, I love being part of that rhythm section. Um, and but I have a thing I love about I have a very I think I have the sort of greatest how uh, greatest seat in the house in a doll's house because I'm part of the rhythm section, but as I say, I, I'm working with people who really like the bass and and like to hear me do things that are more melodic. I have a big role in writing you know the songs, and so it's. Just from all around, I just love seeing how these ideas come together, and whether I'm playing a a big part when it comes to performing live or a small part, it's just cool to be part of the whole song because it's like you know I've got this, we've got this amazing singer who can take these kind of little ideas that I might have had and turn it into a truly you know uh, just inspiring and and and. Uh, at times really, you know, truly breathtaking vocals that, that, you know, no one else in the band could ever pull off. So it's nice to be and have that sort of viewpoint of all around in the band.
1: So I, okay. So I have a question for you. Um, now going all the way back to your 2020s 20, 20s, 22 age, right. Um, the whiskey, the Roxy or the Troubadour, which one was your favorite to play in and why? I know them um, had a long time ago, but <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, no, um, I mean, they were all great. And we played, we played each of them a few times. I think, um, I mean, the Troubadour was special because it was our first, our first show um, in a club. And um, um, the Roxy was great because it was the first time uh, we played where they, they had smoke blowing before we came out. And I sort of walked forward until my head hit a microphone. And then I realized I was probably at the front.
1: Oh uh,
3: no! <laughs> and and the whiskey was awesome too. But I guess um, if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably say the Troubadour shows were.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I've been in some. Because um, uh, here um, we have New Brooklyn Tavern, we have the Senate, and we have um, I forgot what uh, what the other one called. And it's very like like they're all pretty like dank and dark and everything and and. uh and you have like specific venues that you really love going, you know, and I just wanted to see which one was, was better for you to play at. Yeah. So I'm
2: out. curious, like when you all were coming up, who were you opening for? or Who was opening for you? Yeah. It shows. Wow, well, that's you- a
3: great question. Um, I don't know if I can remember the names. So generally, yeah, I mean, the way this stuff would work is, you know, when you started out, you might be one of three bands playing at the Troubadour that night. And we would start, you know, we started as sort of the first and you might play 20 minutes and then if you the middle slot, you know, slightly longer. And, and kind of by the end of our run, we were we were usually the third band and we would play for, you know, I think it was something like 45 minutes, maybe maybe an hour were kind of the slots. But that is a really good question. I don't know if I remember, there, there certainly isn't a band that was like, oh God, I remember we played with them and then they went on to do. Yeah, um, right. You know x y and z um i'll have to think about that i'll bet something will pop into my head as i think i think fail failure was the name of a band that i think was around with us um and i can picture some other guys but i can't remember the name of the band
1: okay so yeah
2: no no no, like yeah we opened for the red hot chili peppers
3: No, but I'll tell you I'll tell you a funny story, though, about um, how we got to play the first show at the Troubadours. Um, So I was probably all of 19 and um, Dave and Tony went to a high school in the Valley in L.A. where we grew up. And two of the guys from Jane's Addiction went to that high school, uh, Dave Navarro and and Steve Perkins, the guitar guitar player and drummer of Jane's Addiction. And um, they were a few years older than us. but. Dave and our band kind of knew those guys and sometimes he and I would jam with the drummer um and at that time there was a great concert called the LA street scene which was kind of a no you know outside they would shut off parts of of LA downtown and it'd be kind of like a music festival for a few days and we went there to see Jane's Addiction and this was as they were really starting to kind of just become a, a big deal and so after the show I just sauntered up to Perry Farrell who's the singer of Jane's Addiction and you know with the bravado you have when you're 19 i said hey i'm in this band how do we play a club and because i just didn't know how do you do it you know and he he was awesome he said he just took a couple of minutes and he said you know he asked me about the band and he said well look if i were you guys i would call this guy at the troubadour and i can't remember the name he gave me but i did it and i said you know perry from jane's addiction said i should call you and uh the guy said all right you know we'll put you in on like a wednesday at you know 7:30 or something And i did that unbeknownst to the other guys in the band and then i went to rehearsal later that week and said guess what we're going to play at the troubadour in a couple of weeks so we better get ready and that's what forced us to actually adopt a name for the band Mm.
1: that's really Uh, cool speaking of the name for the band well yeah uh, um yeah uh, okay yes amanda thought that the band's name was 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 um out of uh, the play adult house
3: is that where it
2: came from like Isman's play or? So that's what that's
3: what people that have heard of A Doll's House always think of the play. Um, we're not we're not that erudite. And so the actual answer is um, the uh, although I have I have eventually read the play and it is terrific. Um, but actually, the way it came up with this, Dave, the guitar player, Dave in our band, he and I are huge Beatles fans. And A Doll's House was at one point was the working title for um, the Beatles White Album.
1: Okay. Really?
3: And so that's and so. Dave just said, "What about that?" And we said, "Sounds great."
1: I did not know that. Huh? Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm.
3: And it's funny. I don't know if you know, but um, the band Death Cab for Cutie, yep, yeah, comes from. It's something that said. I think it's a song. It's the name of a song being played in a part of the Beatles movie, Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, hmm. And uh, so it's funny because we've been on the radio, and I'll see us with. Um, with death cap for cutie, and I think how how funny it is. Uh, like we'll be on the same playlist with them, and how funny it is that these two sort of obscure beetle things end up being band names.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going back to your people opening up for you, or you opening up for other other bands. Was there like a like a like a um, a band if if you can remember? Was there a band that you that you saw like playing live, and you're like, oh my god, we got to, Gotta worry about this, man. We gotta step it up to be a little bit better than them, or wasn't just like it's all you know?
3: Oh, no, definitely. I mean, there were you know, um, I mean, certainly you know, the Chili Peppers and James Addiction bands like that. Now, the the Chili Peppers were they were kind of already, I think, you know, getting to be what they were certainly really well known in LA, but there were a lot of bands like, um. There's a band called Fishbone back then. Um, that was a great live band. Um, I mean, I had seen, you know, going even a little further back, I'd seen Oingo Boingo at very small places. Huh. You know, when they were really, you know, the twelve-piece band they were. Yeah, so, right. yeah. I mean, you're right though. That that is, you know, I don't live there now, and I don't know if I would find it intimidating now. But growing up there and being interested in music, there were just tons of exciting bands to go see like anywhere every night and something totally different and i guess the thing that it wasn't so much making you think like oh we gotta sort of step up our game it was just more like this sense of um you know what you you can come at it from all these different directions and there's no one formula fits all here you can have all these incredible influences because all the bands we're talking about they're very different sounding bands. right? There's a certain amount of energy to them. And, and I think it was more that sense of like, no, you can be as, you know, the more creative, the better.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. So it was really about influencing and like giving you creative...
3: It's almost like those bands inspired you to take more license, you know, because yeah. you can see yeah. that. God, they're doing this stuff that's even weirder than the last time. So it makes you feel like, you know what, if I have some harebrained idea, let's, let's work with it and see where it goes. And
1: so it was very liberating. I hey man, there's, there's nothing off the table about music. I mean, literally you can sing about anything, play about anything. Um, yeah, I mean, music is so relaxing, relieving, uh, relieves a lot of stress. Is, is there a, like, like I knew your lawyer and they say that lawyers like, that like the hardest job ever made, which <laughs> I can, I can, I can agree with, um, so is there is there like a like a piece of music you have to come home to to, like uh, like uh release all that stress and anxiety from from the from the hard days work
3: yeah i mean i think um you know um i try my hand at, at a few different instruments and certainly for the just you know i really want to physically relieve some stress drums are great for that there's no oh, substitute yeah. for just <laughs> hitting something and when it's permissible and uh yeah. um, um so that's always fun but but i'd say more broadly the thing that i just love about music is it's just always been something that in terms of you know whether it's just playing or or writing is it's it's really one of the very few things in in my life that i truly can get lost in where time just goes by and you have that sense of looking up and you know geez it's been an hour and a half already And, you know, it's one of those things, I don't know if everybody has something like that in their life, whether it's, you know, music or some form of art or whatever it is, Uh, but I hope everybody does, because it is, for me, it's just, it's been such a great, you know, gift to have and um, um, whatever you're doing with it, whether it's, you know, you're trying to, like we are now and actually put something out there for other people to to look at. But just separate and apart from that, just an individual level, there's just. Uh, there's nothing like it. It's just, you know, it, it's my favorite thing. Oh,
2: cool. Since James talked about, you know, music relieving stress, do you drive to and from work or are you working from home now that we all seem to be?
3: Yeah. So I, I finally am, which is lovely because I had uh, 18 years of pretty bone crushing or soul crushing uh, commutes. <laughs> so on
2: your commutes that were long and and difficult, what music did you listen to? In the car.
3: You know, I I go through, you know, phases probably like everybody. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for a while, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, I would listen to everything. I'm kind of always listening to the Beatles or, you know, their solo work, everything from that to some of the other bands that we've talked about. I'm a huge Paul Simon fan, Um, you know, but everything from, from things like sort of the softer singer songwriters like Paul Simon and, you know, James Taylor to, um, I love Bauhaus and Love and Rockets, um, uh, and, you know, Portishead and, uh, I mean, so kind of, you name it, there's probably something from any genre that I at some point or another obsess over. Um, uh, now I'm, I'm very obsessed with kind of classical piano music and, mm. you
1: know,
3: okay. um, which is very, very relaxing.
1: Yeah. I, I guess you're, I, I guess like, um, and since you say classical, I, I I figured you would be a fan of jazz. You like jazz music? I do like some jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah jazz uh, is a thing, too.
3: Yeah, and that was um. There was some great jazz you could see in LA too. I'm sure there there still is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and if you want other jazz, where I live is University of North Texas, which has the best, arguably the best jazz music oh, program right? in yeah. the country. Yeah, oh, I Nora Jones. Yeah, Nora Jones was. Like got her um, degree there. I mean, it's a pretty, wow. pretty awesome band. Now, do you have kids? You have
3: two. I, I have two boys. Yeah. So, what are your your two, boys?
2: Yeah. Are, <laughs> what What do you? What did your young men think about your music career?
3: So they they're totally, you know they and my wife have been hundred percent supportive, and it's fun. I mean, my older son uh, Sam, who's who's twenty and in college and um, very skilled at you know the world of of YouTube and streaming and, and whatever the latest thing is. And right. so it's been a huge help to me and kind of understanding the landscape because it's changed so much. Um, but no, and he and I, have a great, Sam, it, one thing that's been interesting is with, from the kids perspective and, and everyone in the band has kids and they probably range from, you know, uh, the young, uh, the young is probably, I think 12 to mid twenties, um, uh, between the four of us. But what I've really found is, is, and like you you mentioned your 16-year-old in the car, is it just seems to me that kids today have a, or at least a lot of kids seem to have a very broad understanding of music. I mean, more breadth to it than I remember sort of having myself or my friends having then. And I'm sure some of that has to do with the technology and the ability to, you know, to sort of access music from anywhere and, and any time. Um and so I find that it's been really gratifying. I think young people are much more open to hearing new music from kind of any source uh, and sort of like, you know, we say in, in sort of our bio thing, even even you know, older guys like us. And it's been, it's really refreshing because, you know, it helps us feel like, yeah, we're not, we're not necessarily the odd men out here. People are open-minded and if they like a song, they like it. And we've, you know, we released our song a little over a month ago and we're, Getting close to forty-five thousand streams on Spotify, and we've been played on a number of radio stations around the country. And you know, it's just been really gratifying that that people seem open to.
2: Mm. I think you got about twenty more streams on Apple Music yesterday for me. Yeah, out. so um, <laughs> there you go. I, I that you know, life. whole like, you know, twelve cents or whatever that you
3: right. <laughs>
2: You're welcome. Um, but I think yeah, that my daughter has come to me with um bands that she's found on like TikTok.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um and in fact we went to a show over the summer with one of those artists and it was so much fun and the thing that that I loved about it was I was kind of standing back and watching and it was a whole lot of parents with their kids because it was at a club and so unless you were 21 you had to have an adult you know with you right right. so you know i looked around and there were all of these like parents with their teenagers and all of us were enjoying the music of this um, I i think she's probably 20 but it was fun and it was and i never would have ended up in that show and never would have heard of this artist and my daughter wouldn't have either had it not been for TikTok. right exactly yeah and so it's it's a great way to find new music that's great um um so,
1: so i have two we have two questions for you and then we'll let you go eat or you know <laughs> do more lawyer stuff you know um okay so going back to our the, the bio that we, that amanda read for, you, read for us um it said you did everything well you played roxy the whiskey the troubadour um you had a big following but it says that, but it said that you didn't. But it didn't take off like as soon as you were, I guess, supposed to. Can mm-hmm. you tell us why it happened, or 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 did life just get away with your families and and other other um, stuff? Yeah,
3: I, I think you know is to you know, probably nobody really knows right how a okay. band that takes off what you know what the combination of things that has to happen. Yeah. Uh, You know is 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 complicated but i do really think that the best way i can put it now is um you know looking back i realize how young we were and i think what we really um needed that we did not have was we didn't really have an adult in the room with us we didn't Mm. have somebody who actually knew what you do we everything that we had done and you know we were not like this is some huge success story or anything but i mean you know Mm. we'd go and play these places and you know 300 people would show up and that's by club standards in LA, that was a big deal. And for, you know, for a couple of guys that are for a band of guys that really just sort of put this together on their own and word of mouth and all that, um, it was, it was great for us, but we didn't have somebody around us to kind of say, okay, and then here's what you do, or here's what you can try to do to sort of kick it up to that next level. And so, um, you know, so I think that's one thing and just on our personal story that was missing. And, you know, you can, I love reading about bands and how they got, you know, where they were. And there are a lot of, you know, bands that had, had just by, you know, just fortuitously. Someone came into their life who had, who just was, was a little bit older, had some knowledge that they didn't. Um But, you know, look, I mean, how there, there's so many bands that, that get their shot and there's one hit wonders. And yeah. we have no regrets about it. I'm I'm, very happy to be where I am now in life. And to be able to do this now, at this point in my life is just great. And whether something happens with it or nothing happens with it, it's just yeah. been fun to do it and, and enjoy it.
1: Well, honestly, I'm glad that y'all got out when you did, because back then I heard, I heard countless horror stories of people signing contracts without reading them, knowing what they are. And like I said, you didn't have an end up with you at the time. So, you, I mean, who knows um, where y'all would be now if y'all did like signing the contract without reading you know because I mean um there's a lot of bad bad record labels out there that's why I hear so many so many bands doing independent now which is great but it's right. also more like a like a it's it's like a double-edged sword you know yeah you'll get you'll get all the money but then you'll hardly get noticed you know what I'm saying
3: right right so- and we've been very fortunate I mean working with Brian from Tesla obviously yeah. you know He's been in a band that's been, you know, selling records and playing around for 40, the whole,
1: years.
3: 40 yeah. years. And so, yeah. you know, um, he's been just a godsend for us in terms of just the the recording process. And he, you know, produced and mixed the album, but also just, you know, really helping guide us through this process of, of trying to get music out there. And so, you know, uh, and and for a band that really appreciates that we didn't have it back then, we're
1: right.
3: uh, very appreciative of it. So- having-
2: how did you and Brian connect? Like, what was the, how'd y'all find each other?
3: You talk about a fortuitous connection. So we we came to the decision, all right, we're going to make this album. We started looking around at studios and Dave, the guitar player, lives in Sacramento. Uh, Amanda, you may know Tesla's from Sacramento.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, um, and so um, Dave, who's been my best friend since, you know, 1986, he's, he's the veterinary surgeon in the band. Okay. And he lives in Sacramento, and he took care of Brian Wheat's dogs for a long time oh, uh, right. before Brian left. Um, uh, he Brian then moved out of the Sacramento area, but we we re- but Brian has had this amazing studio in Sacramento called J Street Studios, and we found it not knowing it was connected to Brian, and then we realized it was connected to Brian, and so Dave was able to get in contact with him and just say hey, and we thought we were just going to be able to say hey we're going to make this album. We're, we're thinking about using your studio. Maybe you can point us to some, like an engineer there that you think would be a good fit. And Brian, God bless him, was like got on the phone with Dave right away and said, you're the best vet I've ever had. And what are you guys doing? And I'm going to come out there and help you. And he, he always tells us he thought we were kind of doing band camp, that this was just some older guys trying to have fun for a week. And then he kind of started to realize, like, no, these guys are actually they've written their own music. They kind of know what they're doing. These are these are good songs. And so he decided to kind of go all in with us, uh, thankfully, and and produce. And uh, and he helped seriously arrange a lot of the songs, too. Um, I mean, he um, was great about. Uh, we went in really thinking we knew what all the structures were. And there were a lot of songs that Brian really um, uh, shaped and, and have come out great. And as I say, he recorded, engineered, produced, and mixed
2: the whole album. I just love that. Like, you were the best bet i had so like mm. i'll work with you yeah <laughs> produce your album yeah <laughs> such a random but awesome yeah. way to find yeah. each other he
3: now he now now brian is now in new york but he has he has an amazing studio in new york now too um so yeah we've been uh very fortunate to be working with him
1: which is just the road for me right because you're in new jersey right right, right. so it's easy for you to get there <laughs>
3: yeah so that's where we ended up it's funny because we ended up recording it at a Sacramento studio. By the time we were mixing it, we were mixing it as New York studio.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, nice.
2: Pretty cool.
1: So, uh, we do have one more question for you, and this kind of piggybacks off the other question I asked for you about um, music and stress. Now, I, I don't know if you have um, any uh, depression or and and or anxiety, but so if if you do, um, and if you don't, um, what's the okay? So, what is what song artist? or album that you can hear, but you can't tell your kids, me, Amanda or your wife, how it makes you feel deep inside your soul.
3: Um, so what's like an album that, that really gets me inside. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it can be an album, an artist or, or just one song. I
3: I mean, when I think of those types of songs or albums, I mean, For me, a really heavy-duty album has always been Pink Floyd's The Wall, listening Mm -hmm. to that in its entirety. I mean, that's like a a real journey. But in terms of individual songs, For No One, um, from The Beatles, which I think it's a Paul McCartney song. I think it's on Rubber Soul or Revolver. Just one of those songs that just always gets me. Uh Um, That's one, I think. um, What else? I mean, there's those ones that can kind of just grab you emotionally that way um you know songs that that i'll never get motley Crue's first album i just love and it's just to me it's one of those albums that which people are always a little surprised by if they know me because i don't really seem like a typical motley Crue fan and um uh but there's something about that i like a lot of those first albums from bands when the production isn't as great as when they get really big and all that, but you can right. hear what's there in the band, you know? And that's, to me, that's one of those albums that like y- you can hear that this band is going to take off and it's just such a, I don't know, to me, that's one that always just, you know, in terms of getting me lifted mm-hmm. up, that's one that does it.
1: Yeah. Crew, I'm going to ask you this one last question. Don't you think John five fits in with the band so well? oh is
3: it the new guitar player
1: the brand. oh yeah he's I mean he's he's I know not, he's not a new guitar player but yeah, yeah. But, but he's new to the band I mean he just fits into well I do do you feel like he's
3: no I do I do it funny I was just talking about this issue um um you know where there are bands like that where a key member bows out at some point and yeah. and you know, somebody else steps in and I always think that's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world because oh, yeah,
1: totally. yeah.
3: you got to come in and fill these shoes. You know, you can't make any mistakes. I mean, I'm sure he can, and, and the other guys are fine with it, but you know, you're just kind of like in this, you're not in the spotlight because you're not like one of the originals, but you're in the spotlight in the sense of, can you do it? And mm-hmm. uh no, I mean, from what I've seen and read about, sounds like he's doing phenomenally, but I always think that, Playing that role in a band must be a very interesting experience.
1: Yeah, because uh, I mean to replace Mick Morris has got to be a, like a like a like a life changing opportunity, you know. But but then again, John right. did play with Rob Zombie for years and years and years.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, so I guess but he I mean, was definitely, definitely a guy. I
3: mean, you know, obviously from a musicianship point of view, can do it, no doubt. But, right, right. But yeah, it's just kind of stepping into this band that has a certain, you know, has been in the public eye for so long and, and really devoted fans and. You know, it's just a difficult. Uh, I would think probably the playing is maybe not the hardest part of that whole thing. It's probably just
1: <laughs> Not for John Five. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Did you get to? I mean, chicken picking. So I mean, he could play anything, you know? <laughs> like a hold down thing or like a heavily tuned yeah. or metal or country. You know, yeah. he's big yeah. in the country. So I love country. So, all right. So anybody who's listening to this um, podcast, thank you for for so much. Um, Please visit Odell's Ad- House on, online. Uh, you can go to Odell'sHouseMusic.com, that's their website. Facebook page is Adult House Music Production. Same thing with their Instagram, Adult House Music Production and YouTube. And uh, TikTok. They're on TikTok. You're on TikTok? Nice. TikTok fantastic fantastic. I still don't know how to use it yet. <laughs> but uh, I can watch. <laughs>
2: yes, I just can't. I don't know what to do with it. Just watch.
1: Yes, but visit them on Adult House Music on TikTok and X, which is formerly known as Twitter. I don't know why, but that's very weird for me to say now.
2: Right. But they
1: are Adult House MP. So, awesome, and yeah. So we do honestly thank you for coming on the show today,
3: and
2: thank we you.
1: want you definitely desperately to come back. Any, any, yes, you want to oh, well, the whole really- band yes
3: no we would love to and it was great great talking with you both and really appreciate your time all
1: right thank, thank you. you all right we appreciate right. you until next time everybody always re- remember when words fail music music speaks, speaks. <laughs> bye guys all right all right thank you so much
2: thanks sean yeah. or seth why did i say sean i'm so I sorry
1: I told you, people have a problem.
3: I
2: know. Well, it was the <laughs> SE. The it was in my head, heart. Sean. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, no. <laughs> Thank you done. so much. Yeah, it's great, great talking to you guys. Take, Take care. care. Thank you so Appreciate. much. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.